Welcome to the Made Possible by Podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Conversations Around Good. We at Made Possible by love to share good stories. We love to share the community impact that businesses are having. Um, we say that we love to make good loud. So thank you again for joining us. I apologize, we are on a Zoom call today because we're in Oklahoma and Oklahoma is experiencing one of its famous or infamous, I don't know how you describe it, um, ice storms. And so we are being safe and staying home. And my guest today, I'm excited to have Mike. Uh, see, I did, you just told me. Kaylor, did I say it right? Yeah. Yep. I did? Okay, good. <laughs> we just not yep. 30 seconds yeah, ago right. had, had a discussion, had to say his name. Mike, he is joining us um, today uh, over Zoom uh, so we can be safe and not be driving on the road. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, sure. No problem. Appreciate it. So Mike Kaler is the founder of Smirk New Media, and I have heard other people call him the guru of digital media because um, he was the very first person in Oklahoma City to start such an agency. I've also heard you describe yourself. You had to be an evangelist early on for digital marketing because people weren't buying into that. Yeah. I, I want to get into more of that in a little bit, but you, your specialties are social media strategy social media content, understanding social media channels, which is like, oh my gosh, an ever-moving target, right? Uh, multimedia stories, new media, content marketing, and writing, because you started a newspaper. That's right. That's right. Okay. So give us a 90-second snapshot of you, or longer, if you want. Of, of me. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so yeah, I started out um, in the newspaper business. My dad was in the newspaper business. So my first job, as soon as I turned 16, in addition to working at McDonald's, was going out and covering high school football games. Um, and that was really something, you know, I love to do. I always, I don't have a lot of skills, but I can put two words together. And that sort of evolved, evolved over the years. Um, I bounced around a bunch of different newspapers around the country and eventually I got um, when I was working in, in Muskogee, Oklahoma with a two person sports department staff, I got a call from the folks in Oklahoma City uh, to ask me if I would want to work at the Oklahoman. So, you know, not a week before that, I would I said I would never work at the Oklahoman, but, you know, it was a great opportunity. Uh, so we moved to OKC in, in 2000. I was the deputy sports editor at the Oklahoman, and sooner or later, I just sort of became the guy who figured out the internet uh, before everybody else and how that could help us do our jobs. So we really started innovating uh, there in how we were using digital tool tools to sort of supplement our storytelling. Um, I did that in sports. We did live streaming video from some of the OU bowl games. We did live chats. Uh, that lasted hours and hours around an OU game, uh, introducing all the reporters to social media and and how they could really take the content that was usually being thrown in the garbage and use that to supplement what readers were getting uh, online. 
eventually they moved me out of sports to do that for the entire newsroom. So on a day like this, uh, that's gotta be like 12 years ago, when we last had a huge ice storm, we were having reporters drive around on the roads with a laptop on the dashboard, live streaming video to the website about the conditions of the roads. And at, while an online chat was going on that we could give them information. So, you know, I just sort of fell in love with the idea that we could connect closer to the readers and really give them a voice in what they wanted instead of, you know, a hundred years that it had been, you know, 20 old white guys in a room deciding what was best for the readership. Now the readers were given a voice um, by what what they told us online in real time sometimes. And so that just caught a bug in me and I saw the sort of the future that the business was going towards, which wasn't pretty. And we're still still in that in sort of the world of what print journalism looks like. And I decided to uh, take what I had learned from the interaction between audience and social and digital and start my own thing. So I worked for a PR agency for a year just to get a feel of what agency life was like. And then I bought a laptop from a pawn shop and parked myself in the Starbucks at Nich in Nichols Hills and, and asked all my friends to help me start a business. So, so since then we've grown. So we were the first, like you said, we were the first ones to, to start up and just do digital marketing. And um, and since then, I've got a dozen people working for me now, with some really great clients, and and you know, sticking to our culture and sticking to the guns of of what we believe in and, and how we think this is a real transformative, you know, piece of technology and in culture, you know, how it's changed everything and what we do with what happens on social and what happens online, you know, we've really started to thrive now not that it's been a totally smooth <laughs> smooth <laughs> climb up the mountain or whatever um you know there was some you know falling down and and getting twisted around and all that but you know it's the trajectory has always been great and and you know i'm really happy in the place that that we're in right now and the team that we have Wow. So a little bit more about you personally. I want to talk more about Smirk clearly, but so when you say we, you all moved from Muskogee to Oklahoma. Sure. We. So uh, my wife, Gailey, and I have been married for 26 years. Wow. Uh, so she was, I saw her across the uh, I, I saw her across the back room at the McDonald's that we both, both worked at. Uh, and ever since then, I've been, I, I wore her down and bugged her enough to, to be with me. And um, she's great. She's a teacher. She, um, teach, she taught kids with special needs for about 20 years. And now she teaches kindergartners. Um, and so she, she, I think that's all training and how she deals with me every day. But um, and so we've got three great kids. My my oldest son Malcolm is a senior at o, at Oklahoma City University. He's a drama major there and loves it. And then I have a daughter Mara who's 16. She's a sophomore, and a son uh, Thomas who's 13 and in the eighth grade. So okay. so we've got a nice little pack here, all bundled up together in the 
in the ice storm and we just love hanging out with each other too so you know i try to there was a time where that balance wasn't as good as it is now um but it, we've gotten to a really good place so your wife is super patient because if she worked with special needs kids for 20 years and now kindergartners she has to be one of the most patient people and loving and soft oh, you yeah. know oh yeah it was funny because when back when i was in the newspaper business there was a i went to a, we went to a convention and it was all a bunch of you know journalists sitting around the table and we started talking about our wives and i think almost to a man everybody either had a teacher or a wife that or a teacher or a nurse that they were married to so there's all these caring women <laughs> taking care of the very cynical very you know unbalanced uh, people who were in the newspaper business so i don't think that was a coincidence Wow, somebody needs to do some research on that. There's a case study right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, Into yeah, there's a, I, I always tell her there was an old, no, there was a, I always tell her there was an old episode of The Simpsons where, you know, it's the rapture and everybody's going to heaven and Marge starts going up into the sky and Homer grabs onto her ankle and just like for dear life so he'll go with her so <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of how things are in my house oh that's so funny that's so funny so hearing you talk about digital marketing you were clearly an innovator clearly I mean having the computer on the dash of the car and now we think about what they have you know vehicles with cameras and you know all sorts of things out there now i mean and doing live streaming yeah. at the games i mean that mm -hmm. and that's funny because now it's so normal that's mainstream that we completely expect that to happen but you sure. you started it that's so cool yeah and it's funny because we've you know there's a lot of quotes that i remember from people that higher up than us that were, were were telling us that no one will ever watch a live video on their on their computers you know these you know twitter and facebook are going to not be around in a couple of years we don't need to invest the time you know i've heard about uh you know the naysayers a lot in those first few you know 2007 8 9 who were you know i had to spend the first year of my of the business like talking about how social media is not a fad and now to go back in time and even think that uh, as ubiquitous as it is and how it's changed everything you know it is crazy to think about so so yeah i mean we were just like you know a new like even with the live streaming it was just a new thing that popped up there was no website called justin.tv that just people just in start to live streaming things and we're like hey we're just let's try this or let's try this new live chat software that we had and we were just sort of throwing stuff against the wall and it, to me it was like we already had the foundation covered with with what the reporters would do is just part of their regular job and so we were just trying to hang new bells and whistles on it and see if the technology worked and if people liked it so it's so funny to even think of somebody saying no one will ever watch a video on their computer. <laughs> and that's just so crazy. Yeah. Because now we have things on our phones yeah. that monitor, that tell you every day how much time you spent 
on your phone, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you, this was, you know, even the phone, even phones were in their infancy too. I mean, yeah. now that everybody has this in their pocket mm. and, you know, does, you know, it, you know, history was on our side, fortunately. So, you know, it turned out, it turned out okay. And I, and the other thing is, I don't think it's, it, it's not stopping. It's still, oh, absolutely. you know, it's still going. And so that's what gives me hope about the future and um, of what I do and, and, and how this is all going to work. For sure. So tell me what, what's personally been your biggest COVID pivot? Um, it, it's been weird because um, we really didn't have to do too much different. Um, uh, my folks on the team were already working a couple days at home anyway. And so we just flipped the script and, and flipped the switch and told everybody to stay home. I guess personally for me, I was always the one that was, I was the one that was reluctant to do that because I need like human interaction. <laughs> and so the, the hardest thing was for me myself to be home by myself and working from home all day. So, you know, I'm on, I'm jumping on sort of live chats with people just to sort of have another person's voice in the, in the room or, you know, doing Zoom calls with folks just that are sort of mental health Zoom calls. And so, uh, so that's what it is for me you know, made me have to be much more disciplined with my schedule and, and have make an environment that, that works for me. Um, but, but yeah, it was more of a mental health pivot for me and, and just protecting that and making sure it, it still worked out. Okay. So you're an extrovert. You need, you need humans. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I do all of our business development, so I'm sort of a reluctant extrovert, but you know, I, if I get too much in my own head, then that's not productive. And so if I'm just sitting here talking to myself, uh, in, instead of, you know, I either need to be talking to somebody or I need to be sort of executing a very detailed plan of something. Mm -hmm. Sort of free time is, or un, unscripted time is not, is not great. It just, because it, that can turn into, you know, watching six hours of some reality show or something. <laughs> Or, yeah. You know, what I would do is I'd be like, oh, I'll go do the laundry and the dishes and, you know, you know, and being at home, there's so many things that you could be doing and, and I just needed some help focusing on that. Yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. We have a two-year-old and so we would trade, okay, you go do your Zoom call and I'll keep the baby back here and then we'll trade and then I'll do my Zoom call and you keep the baby back there. You know, it's, it's been an interesting mm -hmm. shuffle an interesting shuffle i love the commercials now that show the the kids popping up in the background and because it's normal oh yeah. yeah it's normal yeah no it's the it's it's good to you know part of it too is that there's always been a pretty very tight-knit community of you know of marketers and social media folks in town ever since i started and mike mike's part of that too and and um I just want to make sure that all those connections were still tight because I wouldn't be here if not for all those people yeah. supporting what I do or supporting me uh, just personally. So. Mm -hmm. so talk to us about becoming an entrepreneur because you said you were a newspaper guy for a long time and that's 
not exactly in the same mindset. <laughs> so how, oh, no. how no. did that, yeah. No, there's, a, there's no business class requirement when you're a journalism major. So I didn't know, I didn't know anything about anything. And one thing that helped me was um, probably about 2008, right before I left the Oklahoma and we decided to experiment with um, sort of exclusive paid content. We put up a paywall around OU football and put some content behind that paywall. But so that was my idea. And then they, and then the bosses said, okay, well do a, do a P and L for that. Because if you want to hire an additional reporter and you want to pay, have people pay for this, you need to do a P and L for that. So the first thing I did was I went and I Googled, what is a P and L? <laughs> <laughs> what does the P stand for? And what does the L stand for? And so after I did that, you know, I had to like write up a business plan, do sort of ideas for what the revenue would be and the expenses would be and all that. So be between that and then I started reading some business books. I read Good to Great by Jim Collins. I read a bunch of, I read what Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk was putting out. I just sort of got in a businessy mindset. And so, so starting something from scratch was, I felt a little bit better about it than I might have a few years before that. So all I knew is, you know, what I needed to make, you know, make the makeup for what I was making before. And then expenses weren't that great because everything is, you have a laptop and you don't have, we, there's not a lot of capital that we have to have. So, um, so yeah, it was, you know, I always say it was like the world's biggest trust fall. I just like, you know, fell backwards and said, please, Oklahoma City, catch me. And it just, um, it was, fortunately, it was hitting at the right time too, when a lot of people mm. were doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff in town. Mm -hmm. and we all sort of leaned on each other and figured it out together now financially was it the, you know was it smooth sailing no because there was a you know there's a lot of things I didn't know about what you know what kind of taxes you have to pay when you're an LLC and, and so I'm still paying Uncle Sam for some of those assumptions that I that I were wrong on 10 years ago, but, but once, once the team grew and once, um, I hired, uh, I hired Allie Carrick, who's now my partner and she's awesome at operations. And I hired a really great CPA and, and the best thing was, and you hear this all the time from folks who start business. The best thing I did was figure out what I didn't know what to do and find great people who could do that stuff. So I could just concentrate on mm -hmm. growing the business and finding new clients and stuff like that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I would, you know, if anybody starts anything now, they need a, you need a good CPA and just give them that stuff and don't carry the checkbook around in your back pocket and don't use the company card to buy yourself sandwiches every day <laughs> and then um, just go from there. Mm -hmm. No, I feel you on the, the tax thing. We had the same thing our first, our first year out. So yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. So do you, you work with some people. Yeah, and lessons oh, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. It's just, you got to learn those lessons, you know, and I was just learning them 
you know, further down the road than I would have liked to. But, you know, now I, we wouldn't be as good as we are now if we wouldn't have gone through what we did then. So, mm -hmm. so who was your first paying client? Who are you? Who, who made your day? Um, so there was a couple from church uh, that owned authentic custom homes. So they, you know, they let me do some Facebook content for them at first. And they, you know, that was, like you said in the intro, it was like, I felt like I was a missionary. <laughs> it was like, hey, there's this thing that you should do that would help your business. You don't understand it, but let me help you understand it and give me money. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it was very, you know, and you know, the other, yeah, the other thing, there's a lot of people trying to do, trying to be digital marketers and social media gurus in those first few years who just, you know, the week before they had been selling Xerox machines or whatever. And so there's a lot of really crappy competition and sort of getting people to understand the difference between doing it well and doing it just to do it uh, was hard too. So there's that, there's that double thing. So and authentic custom homes was one of my first clients fortunately we had a connection uh and one of our first 10 clients was pops restaurant oh nice um and that was like such a godsend because that was a place that people had heard of mm -hmm. and knew you know it was the the brand that you always want to put in that sentence when you're pitching somebody oh we have pops oh i know what pops is blah blah blah. you know and and you know having a client like that you know i had a bunch of other clients you know air conditioning companies and you know landscaping companies and stuff like that but to have one that people instantly knew it right out of the gate i mean that was within our first year that helped so much yeah, and now you have you work with Sonic. You work with is it MidFirst Bank? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are yeah. Sonic know. and MidFirst are two of our biggest clients. Uh, Hal Smith Restaurant Group. We also do a bunch of work for them. So yeah, I mean, my goal was always, hey, we want to work with cool Oklahoma brands that people know, um, and and the relationship with Sonic is going on uh, two and a half years now, and and. They actually keep giving us more work to do, which we love them for that. So, so it's really it's really worked out. And we have some of these foundational clients that people people know, and that we can do really good specific work for. That's great. So we have we live in Guthrie, and Guthrie has a lot of really cool events, and so we mm -hmm. have a lot of committees that put those events together. And for years, one of the events had only done print advertising and they had some new people mm -hmm. join the committee and say, Hey, why don't we do some social media advertising? And there was some serious pushback on it. I mean, serious. And this is two years ago. This isn't long mm -hmm. ago. This is two years ago, serious pushback on it. And they finally, <laughs> they finally said, okay, yeah, we need to, we need to do that. And it brought in thousands and thousands more people. I mean, it was crazy. Oh yeah. But it, it surprised me that just two years ago, people were like, no, that, that's not going to do anything. It's not going to do any good. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people, I think there's a perception that everybody is on now. Everybody is online. Everybody has social. 
and it's really the adoption isn't as much as people would would think not every you know i think the last number i saw was maybe 60 percent of businesses had social accounts but so that's still so many wow. and even of that 60 percent so not a lot of them are doing it well they're just people have just like we have a facebook page see <laughs> you know we don't do anything with it but we have one so so there's still a ways to go you know and oklahoma is always sort of behind the curve anyway on some of this stuff um so there's there's still a lot of educating that needs to be done and the other thing is that the platforms are changing all the time and their algorithms are changing um you know the way you do ads are changing and so there's still all that that more education that needs to happen so um as far as that goes i'm not surprised to hear that because people are still convinced that other media are working better for them when it's obviously that's not the case yeah, well and especially i mean you have to look at your demographic who are you trying to reach and if you're trying to reach younger families the newspaper is probably not the way to go <laughs> sure yeah i mean the de demographics are the whole the whole deal the whole deal mm -hmm. you know it's it's almost it's as important to figure out who you don't want to see it you know how many wasted impressions are you getting then when you could be not having any of those wasted impressions and mm -hmm. so that's that that's where the targeting comes in and and where we really like to show people you know here's a known number of audio of impressions your ad got and there's no way that the newspaper or the tv station or any of the other places can tell you exactly how many people saw what you put out mm -hmm. no that's i appreciate that because i've I heard you speak at something recently where you were talking about people just throw content out there and yeah you know and it's not i, I think you said something about I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it had nothing to do with their business and their, oh, it was about like oh, National yeah. Hot Dog Day or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm the, you, you said I was a guru, but what I'm really am, I'm the cranky old man of digital marketing in Oklahoma City. <laughs> so those days of the week, you know, were, they just get under my skin. I mean, it, it, it was always sort of like a crutch that people use to, let's put something out just to put something out mm -hmm. and so when you have the you know the car dealer who's talking about national waffle day or the you know funeral home that's talking about the national puppy day just to be putting something out when it's irrelevant to their brand and irrelevant to making any sort of connection with the customer it's like i always said that was the styrofoam packing peanut of content <laughs> because <laughs> it just sort of fills up space and and um and makes you think that you have more than you do but but we're all about you know we'd rather have three posts that are super relevant and tell the story of a business than 30 days worth of garbage so mm -hmm. no so that's a great segue for you to tell us what for each one of the different venues let's say Sure. What what's your number one suggestion? Can we just go through the different Facebook, Instagram things? What's your number one suggestion oh, for yeah. Facebook? What do you think? Um, I think, well, first of all, I 
I'm really am digging the stories function on everything now. Instagram stories is probably the number one thing I consume now, you know, just over the course, besides Twitter. I'm like a Twitter-holic, so. Um, <laughs> but in terms of quality content, you know, I, I think stories do the best. And I think Facebook gives you an opportunity to, um, well, let me start, let me talk about Facebook. We've done, we've looked at some studies and, and looked at what Facebook is really emphasizing right now and rewarding brands with. So, so a Facebook post that's just about um, your brand, we always talk about tell people how you do what you do and how you know what you know. So if you can do that through a Facebook post uh, and create some sort of open-ended conversation there, what Facebook is really rewarding now is the conversation and engagement the brands are having in the comments with their customers. So it's a little post agnostic, but what they really want you to do is have that engagement with people, be talking to your fans, be answering, you know, customer service issues, be answering questions that they have about you. Because if you leave those alone and let them fester, Hey, you're missing an opportunity that Facebook wants you wants to use to boost you. And you're also opening yourself up for sort of un, uh, you know, unpoliced commentary about your brand that might not be great. So, mm -hmm. so what, what we've found, what some studies have found is brands get as almost as much of a, of a, of a positive uh, reaction from engaging with negative comments as they do from engaging with positive comments. Every brand wants to, when somebody says, hey, you guys are awesome. Every brand wants to go in there and say, you're right, thanks for saying that. And, but they think if they, don't, if they don't do that with negative things, then those negative things have no impact. When in fact, it's, a, it's an opportunity for a very positive impact. Mm -hmm. going forward so mm -hmm. okay so what about instagram <laughs> uh, i think instagram you know as much as you can do stories that again show that show that human face to, to what you do is great i think you know i don't think anybody gets tired of behind the scenes content you know of i'm a chef and here's how i make a great meal or i'm a craftsman and here's how i do my craft or you know i don't I'm of the school that I don't think any professional person is in what they do is boring because they know so much more about it than I do. They're going to have, they're going to have insight just from things they do reflectively that I might never know to do. Like if you think you're an accountant and you're boring and there's nothing that no sort of content that you have, you, if you can go on there and tell me, how to save more money than I spend or what mistakes I might be making, you know, that's, that everybody's an expert at what they do. And if they just share that expertise a little bit, then that's all of that is soluble content to me, you know, or talk about the craziest job you ever had or the craziest client you ever had or the weirdest thing that you ever encountered. All those extremes just, you know, it's your own little reality show, basically, in stories. And so you just tell that story every day. So do you think video is better? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, you know, if you have some, if your brand lends itself to sort of really great visuals and we see that in sort of how people, you know, everybody poses their food now and, and, and things like that. But, you know, it's, I think sort of first person storytelling on a story is just as great it is uh, through video is better than some of the organic regular organic posts that you would do. So I would just look at the camera and tell an anecdote about your business or what you've done or what makes it fun or what, uh, what makes you smart and, um, and just go from there. And everybody has those stories in their head. They just tell them to the other person sitting at the desk across from them instead of telling people who might be your customers. And that's that's so simple. I mean, it, it's it's it feels really easy, but people oh, yeah. don't like to be in front of the camera. <laughs> so it was it, the the funny story I tell about that is, I was speaking one time at a at a training event, and it was all pastors. Pastors were were, were in the whole audience, and and we got to this part of the conversation. Oh, sure, we want to do something, but we don't know what to put out every day. And I'm like, uh, I looked at him like, if only there was a book that you had sitting on your desk that you read every day that <laughs> might have some interesting anecdotes that you might want to share, you know, that maybe had 66 books and 2000 years old, you know, yeah, maybe that is there for you. And so they finally like realized that it's not as hard as you think it is. Usually I tell people it's like all that crap you have on your desk the trade journals, the, you know, the ideas that you've scribbled down, the books that you read, all of that is potential content. So if you're a smart person and you just told me, hey, I'm reading this book and here's what I think about it and how it, uh, it affects me as an entrepreneur, then that's good content. Okay. So it's people are, we're making it more complicated than it needs to be basically. Yes. If it's interesting to you, more than likely it's going to be interesting to other people. Nice. Okay, what about uh, LinkedIn? Um, I LinkedIn is sort of that that expertise thing on steroids. So I mean, LinkedIn is where people are are even more solely for, focused on figuring out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, it's that's where you know that's where great business to business connections come and great networking opportunities come, but you really have got to show, um, show you have the, the bona fides there. You have to show that you, you really know what you're talking about. And so that's where we recommend that if, you know, the easy thing to do there, the, the, the easy hit to take there is if news comes across that affects your business, then you have to have a point of view about that. You have to have an opinion. You know, Facebook changes its algorithm. And I'm, I'm, this is, all this is saying, I don't always practice what I preach because, you know, the whole shoemaker's children have bad shoes sort of thing. <laughs> so we're, um, but if like Facebook changes its algorithm, I should have an opinion about that. And I should share it on LinkedIn. So people know that, Hey, this guy isn't just sort of an abstract list of of accomplishments, but this guy is actively engaged with his industry 
day to day. And so I know when I have a question about this or I want to do this, I'm going to go to the person who talks about it every day instead of the person who just has sort of weird Google certifications and, and whatever. And so it's all about putting meat on the bone of, of what's happening in your space. Oh, I like that illustration, put some meat on the bone. I like that. Okay. So what about Twitter? You said Twitter, you're addicted to Twitter. Twitter to me just feels news. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that's the question for me is what am I going to do on Twitter after the election's over? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Twitter is about community conversation. Like right now on Twitter, you can find out how the weather is in every part of town that you'd want to know by just asking, how's the weather? Who doesn't have power? You know, it's great when it's around um, a shared conversation. And that's where I see Twitter make the most difference in our community. It's where businesses, businesses who actively engage in that conversation have gain supporters who are rooting for them uh, every day and who you can have that back and forth you know in the past 10 years we've seen a bunch of businesses who've made their bones just by being engaged on twitter and turned that into you know those food trucks that have gone to brick and mortar locations you know those uh those professionals who've launched something out solo and then you know and find a bunch of fans and, and, and customers. Um, that's, that's happening on Twitter. It's been happening now for 10 years. And so, and, and so it's just a matter of if you're an individual, it's easier. If you're a brand, it's just taking part in the conversations that you can be helpful with. And so, I mean, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of brands who don't spend millions of dollars sponsoring the thunder every every season but who every night the thunder are playing are part of the conversation about the game mm -hmm. and get that association mm -hmm. and so it's looking for those opportunities and you know obviously politics has been the tsunami that's drowned out everything else that's happening on the on the platform right now but but you've seen opportunities in in covid times where people are talking about here's how we can help as a brand, here's, um, here's how we can help people who need food or need a job or who are just lonely. And so, uh, you know, like it's just sort of your thesis come to life is like the people who can have conversations about the good that they can share on Twitter can get immediate reaction and, and, and sort of really create a tribe around themselves. Do you think that's true across the board as far as chiming in on things, um, just being a part of conversations like on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, or just commenting on things? Do, do you think that yeah. has as much benefit? Well, yeah, I think that's really, you know, one thing that one thing I didn't talk about was Facebook groups, which I think are, are a whole other undiscovered frontier to get involved in. Facebook is now letting brand pages join groups. And so you can find people with affinity and have those conversations um, that, are, that are really great. And so it's just how, 
you know, it's just like a party. It's just sort of how you do it. You know, if you walk in the room and have a megaphone on full blast and say, hey, everybody, I'm here and here's what I'm selling and come on down to the store. If you do that, then you're a bad guest and people will ignore you. But if if you come in and say and are actively listening and like, hey, that's a good point. Here's what how we do something or here's here's some ways that, that we have helped people things like that you it's not for it's not a troll trolls aren't allowed in that sort of activity it's got to be coming from a good place coming from a helpful place and and that's um that's where i've seen great success okay i didn't know that they allow that that's cool i'll look into that what about youtube um you know youtube is is in a weird place right now because it's it's really it's really gotten away from from sort of its scrappy roots a little bit. Now, sort of the creator community is very, you know, is very focused on how they monetize their brand, how professional they can look. It's not a lot of people, you know, in their room with a phone, with a with a crappy camera, sort of vlogging their day away. So I think in YouTube, it's really about sort of again appealing to niches not coming in with the idea that you're going to have this huge youtube audience but it's like discovering those places and communities where people are talking about what you do and adding adding your content to the to the mix of that and there's so many you know youtube is great because there are so many little communities that you can watch and and or take part of you know i like old movies so there's you know 35 different creators that i can subscribe to who are just people watching old movies and reviewing them and so being ingratiated into that which again goes back to your what you know and goes back to your expertise and how you can slice that um to to benefit you is, is great now you know we've done not done a lot with youtube because there's a little bit of oversaturation of digital marketing gurus but i think you could get as much exposure and a much as much a loyal audience if you if you focus on something about your business or about your life that you really like and then people will discover all the other stuff stuff that you do okay yeah, YouTube just continues to blow my mind in that my two-year-old will watch a video of someone putting together Legos mm -hmm. and then playing with that Lego truck. I mean, right. It's literally somebody putting together something, you know, and watching it. Or are the videos of people playing video games? Oh, yeah. Like, really? Oh, yeah. But, you know, I think it's it's coming into it without the expectation, you know, so I have a 15 year, I have a 16 year old and a 13 year old, and they would love to be YouTube famous when they grow up. It's, but if you come into the expectation that I'm doing this because I like to do it, and I'm not doing this to sort of game the audience or whatever, yeah. then just do it with with that sort of level of transparency and you'll, you'll be fine. And people, the one thing that's happened over the past 10 years is that identity or vanity metrics have, 
are really not important anymore. This idea that I have to have a million followers to, to be able to be successful on a platform or successful in a business is really, um, it, it's really a cynical place to come from right now. When you, if, you know, I had a YouTube channel where I was just doing movie, re movie reviews and I had 200 people who were subscribed to that, but we, they talked to me all the time. I feel, you know, that would be great, you know, and that's why things like Patreon are around and stuff like that. So don't let the number of, of followers or number of audience, you know, fool you in that or make you think that you're not successful. So you must be reading my mind because you always, you put me, you set me up, you tee me up for my segues. So thank you. I was just well, going to ask yeah. you. I've done this before. Yeah. You have done this before. I was just going to ask you about followers because people can pay for followers. And I've heard you talk about that. Tell us a bit about, about that. Oh yeah. If anybody wants a million followers tomorrow on one of their accounts, I can go on some skeezy website, pay $25 and you'll have a million followers if that's what you want now there will be a you know they might be eight hundred thousand of them might be chinese farmers that's or you know or you know people in a third world country who are locked in a room and you know getting paid a dollar a day to just follow accounts so that doesn't make that doesn't move the needle on your business you know that's the thing it's like you know to me um, you know, I'll just be real about it. It's like, to me, a hundred really engaged Edmund mother moms are worth more than 2 million followers who aren't in the country. Because, you know, I'm, you know, if you're a business and you're looking for the right demographic who has disposable income and who has an affinity for what you're selling, you know, you get a hundred or 200 of those and you can make a really good living. You know, there's this, you know, back in, there's this theory and back in the day of this, the idea of a thousand true fans, you know, a thousand true fans uh, can make any artist, you know, have a good living, continue to do their art. If you're a band or, or whatever, you know, if you have a thousand true fans who are spending $500 a year on concerts and product and, or whatever, or services, then there you go. You had a half a million dollar business, um, and so that's what that's what the focus should be on, rather than sort of these fake numbers. Okay, thank you. I really appreciate. Let me pick your brain on that and giving us some perspective, because, like I said, you're the guru. You know all this. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about um, community. How do you define community, and what does your community look like? Because your community is online, right? I mean, you have clients mm -hmm. that are locally, but you probably have some that are not. So how do you define sure. that? Um, you know, there's, it's all sort of Venn diagram circles a little bit, you know, and, and I've, all my life, I think I've tried to be the guy who could be in the middle of a circle a little bit, you know, you know, now those got goes back to school when I'm friends with all the nerds and I'm also friends with all the band kids and I'm trying to be friends with all you know the, the other kids and so so to me community is just sort of sort of what you're interested in in that moment 
and also it's also really a place that you feel safe mm. and my kids have taught me that mm. you know my son uh, who's a, in college now you know he grew up and was really into tumblr when tumblr was was good and into instagram and he was able to connect with people who weren't in oklahoma city but who liked the same things that he liked and he would made him comfortable to have conversations when you couldn't really have conversations and i think when you're a grown-up it happens the same way you know i have a community of other entrepreneurs that i can talk to about hey this you know i have somebody who won't pay a bill what do you guys do about that i have a I have a community of other marketers who, you know, where you can go and you can talk about clients who are headaches or where you're stuck on something. And, and, you know, I, that's the one thing about um, how this technology has changed the world is we're able to discover, uh, discover these places that weren't open to us anymore and allows people not to feel like you know, ironically in the middle of COVID, but where you don't feel like you're just in a room by yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have a, you have an open window and if you want to use it in a positive way, you know, it, it can, it can give you all sorts of joy in life. And that's, honestly, that's really what sparked the flame in me back <clears throat> when I was at the paper is, um, the immediate feed, you know, when, so I would moderate these live chats that we did and we did them during football games, but we also did them during, you know, the more tornadoes or while, you know, when there were fires burning down Midwest city or whatever. And so I would sit there for six or eight hours some days just chatting with people. And all those people wanted was like a connection to another real human being who was telling them the truth about what was going on in their community or just being heard. You know, you know, we did a lot of things when that first ice storm happened and and what we did that was kind of fun was just like um, talk, people just wanted to let us know that they had power at their house and it was a warm place. And if somebody was stuck on the road that they could go there. Mm -hmm. And that was when that big ice storm hit and people were on the on the uh, turnpike just stranded in their cars for days and stuff like that. So we made a, had a chat going and made a little Google map of here's warm places who will be somebody who will give you a bowl of soup or whatever. And I knew then that this, I mean, it's over. The, 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 the fact that we can do this now and, and that's way different than what, what we as an industry have been doing for a hundred years which is like, we're, we were giving people broccoli and telling them it was good for them to eat in terms of the content. But now it's like, we're partnering with you in the community. How do we make our community better? And I know this is, this is probably Pollyanna-ish of me, but if, you've, if you just look at our community here in Oklahoma City over the past 10 years and see how radically it's changed in terms of tolerance, in terms of, of helping one another, in terms of rooting for the city, you know, in terms of different voices being part of the community now that never were before, 
I think that's happened because of the connections we made on social, where people could understand that, you know, you know, I'm a gay kid in Oklahoma City. Ten years ago, I was alone in my room and I wasn't able to live that. And now I'm there's actually people who will embrace me and, and be supportive of me. And or I'm a business person and I'm starting a business. I have no idea how I'm gonna get good customers. And now I have everybody's cheering each other on and on the best days. And so that's what I that's what I love about this community. I think you add the Oklahoma Midwestern niceness to that. And I think that's a community I want to be a part of. And now we're just able to find each other more. I'm sorry, I'm going on and on about this, but yeah. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today if not for that community. And I I tell them I love them as much as I can, but there's a so when you know, when somebody else is trying to do the same thing, and I learned this, I eventually learned this lesson, you know, those are not competitors. Those are other people who are making that same jump that you made. Everybody just needs to help each other. Mm. Oh, I appreciate that. You're not going on and on at all. I appreciate, we love talking about community. That's what we do. So that's awesome. I love your, sure. I love your statement about communities where you feel safe. That's a big deal. Oh yeah, because it can it can be it can be scary when you're, you know, it was scary, you know. And I'll be an open book as you as much as you want me to be, but the period of starting the business was very scary for me. But there was a there was a period of, you know, a few years ago where where I was out of where it was the hardest that I've ever had with my mental health because it became all consuming. It became, I'm only measuring myself by mm. our bank account balance and how many clients we have. If we lose one, then that defines me as a human. And, and so I had to step back from the business for a little bit and find people who, who could step up and help me uh, make things better and you know, there were a few people that I I connected with in our crazy Oklahoma City marketing entrepreneurship who I was just able to talk to and say, hey, I'm at the bottom of this pit here and, and who still helped me to this day because I've had to make that journey to give, you know, give things up in order to gain better things and, and, and places like that. So, I mean, it is it is not just something I say, it's something that saved my life in addition to having a great wife and faith in a, in a God who loves me and kids who were understanding. But a component of that was what I built internally in our company and also the people that I was able to hear truth from um, as well. So, So that's why we have as a business, we have such transparency and honesty are so important to us and how we communicate with each other and with our clients. You know, I, we've, we, what social has, should remove us from is sort of, sort of fake it till you make it BS and, and sort of platitudes and stuff like that. If you feel something and you, 
um, and you want to hear people truthfully talking into your life, you can find those people in those places. Thank you for being vulnerable. I, I, I really appreciate that. That's starting a business is one of the scariest, scariest things I, I can, I mean, my husband's entrepreneur, it's like his third venture out doing something crazy. And I've been on that roller coaster. So I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. So talk to me about the ways that your business um, invests in your community. Um, so we, you know, we love helping people where we, where we can. And we've had these conversations about how can we do that um, in, in a kind way that doesn't look like we're just in it for the business development play. I think a lot of times we see that in our space where it's like this, you know, um, different brands or whatever are giving back and, but that giving back is part of a campaign. <laughs> That's the, the part of the, part of the, the marketing campaign is the giving back portion of it. And so, so sometimes it's a little disingenuous and we're, and you know, as we've grown, we're we're not the biggest player on the block or whatever, and we can't do all the things that these huge places can do. But we can, you know, we can we can find um, opportunities with um, issues that we we are passionate about as a as a team that we can give back on. And the other thing is continuing to evangelize what what i've just been talking about how important this is uh to culture and and to business and so so we've you know one of the things we did is we started a program i guess it was last year uh called smirk it forward where we were going to offer some amount of of comp services to nonprofits who couldn't who couldn't get that otherwise and you know there's that's the thing about storytelling is there's a lot of people who have a lot of great stories to tell. They just don't know how to do it, you know, and don't know how to get that out of their head and into the public uh, in a way that, in a way that really helps them out. So sometimes that's just having a conversation with somebody for an hour or 30 minutes on the phone to get them to understand how to articulate that. And I'm always willing to do that. And I love talking to people, you know, just like we're talking now, some people just want to talk so they can clarify an idea and and how to how to make it right. So, you know, we've selected some of these recipients uh, of sort of this time that we give on Smirk It Forward. You know, the other other thing, you know, I really feel passionate about is giving our team the flexibility to go out and do those things that they care about in their community um, without sort of worrying about punching the time clock or anything like that. And so that's something, especially the past year, especially the summer when all of that was going on, you know, social justice conversations were going on. You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, if you have your work done and your clients are happy, I want you to pursue, pursue the passions that you have. And so that's why we don't have uh, 
we don't have a we let them work when they want to work and not work when they don't want to work so we're not sort of tied into you have five vacation days this summer and if you want to go you know if you want to go march you're going to have to take a vacation day to do that we're not we're not in that business i want to have a i we're trying to build a company that's the kind of company we would have want to have you know i would have wanted to have the 20 years before smirk started so so that's what we're trying to do well i i love that you're not tying them down you know to the time clock the work clock whatever clock in to be able to go out and volunteer because i don't i think businesses get hung up on giving back to the community means dollars which it does but also i think the volunteer the getting out the standing up for things sometimes it has a bigger impact right well and and you you never know that what that looks like for um an individual like you know there's a few years ago where we uh we fostered some kids um and you know that was a huge you know that was a huge time commitment you know to have three more we had three more kids in our house and so just to be able to pick up kids from school or take them to the doctor or you know if i worked a nine to five job you know, how am I going to do that? How am I going to take these two kids to their counselor and take another kid to, you know, junior high band practice or whatever, you know, and I know that there's a bunch of privilege built into being married and stable and having kids and all that. But, but not, I don't want to, I, I can't even almost wrap my brain around how the world would work how would you know if you had a nine to five very strict job with very limited time off how would 20 how would 2020 work for you mm -hmm. you know i had you know my kids were released from school at noon yesterday because of the ice storm you know my wife is a teacher and it was all easy peasy but those people in town that you know can't do that um they have a hard life and we need to acknowledge and, and people who are employers need to acknowledge that and be able to understand that it's about the work getting done more than it is about the hours mm -hmm. getting done. Mm -hmm. And especially as we all work virtually and everything like that, I can't, you know, po policy is about what to wear and how much vacation you have and, and all of this stuff and like calculations of how much billable time you have is, is just all seems less and less relevant every day it comes down to people first right people being important. right mm -hmm. yeah and i'm not yeah i don't want an employee that's miserable or who misses opportunities to do things that they love to do or take care of their family they're not going to be a good employee i mean they're just <laughs> he if you put your thumb on everybody you, you may get 40 hours out of them but you don't get passion and culture out of that at all mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure and you also said that you give you're giving everybody election day off next week is that is that considered a mental health day <laughs> no matter which side of the fence you're on yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride <laughs> well yeah i think it's you know if somebody wants the opportunity to be a poll worker i think that's a huge need especially as we want those people to be younger and more diverse 
I think if I want to drink all day, I think that's part of it too. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I think, I think, I think everybody should do it next week. I just think it's, everyone will be so distracted and probably, probably Wednesday morning too. <laughs> but uh, I, I think everybody is going to be, this has been such a burden that everyone has been carrying around on their backs for the past four years, whether you, you like him or you don't like him, it, you're carrying it around every day. And I think, you know, if that changes, then I think it's going to, it's going to really change how people treat each other. I think it's going to, it's going to be, it might just be one big sigh of relief where we all just have some peace and quiet <laughs> for one day. Um, and for just us to remember how important that is too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's important that we do this, yeah. you know, and I, I fully expect everybody on my staff is going to go and vote. And the more employers who, who try to, get their people to just fulfill that duty and be engaged with what's happening i think the better that is for for all of us absolutely well i think that's a great idea getting election day off <laughs> just to go take a break well mike i really appreciate you taking the time today and letting us pick your brain and hear about community and you sharing your personal life with us as well that's that's meaningful absolutely. It is. It's very meaningful. So, so what would be your 30 second shout out or motivational statement or what would you want to close with this? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I just think it all comes. <laughs> I have a I have a painting in my office that my brother in law made for me when we first started. Um, and it says uh, tweet others as you want to be tweeted. Um, so <laughs> I think you know, I think the, you know, that those two great greatest commandments are still the two greatest commandments. And one of those is to always, you know, treat the other people like you would want to be treated yourself. And I think that's in in real life and in, um, in the uh, digital world, I still think that's the same. And it's like, people have value and, and we just need to understand you know that's that's what I've been trying to say in business. You have value in what you you know and and what you can share with people, and you have value as a as a person too. So um, that's what it comes down to, and it's and it's really not that hard. No, it's really not. It's really not. So well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's sure. I I have a lot of notes, so thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I hope so. It was a good way to spend the day. That's exactly. Well, thank you to our listeners again for joining us for another conversation around good at Made Possible By. We love to make good loud. So thank you for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening in on another conversation around good. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can continue to provide you conversations that are inspirational. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. And this is so rewarding for them, but it's not easy. Go to madepossibleby.us to see how we do it.